Good evening, church. Thank you all for coming and braving our, our beautiful Perth weather uh, to join us today, to worship together today. Um, before we begin, I would like to, as a call to worship, uh, ask us to, to read and to meditate uh, on a quote that Pastor Ben actually preached on last week. Um, it's a quote from William Temple. And if we can have it on the screen, um, as you read these words, I encourage you to internalize them as we approach worship, as we approach hearing from God's word. Let's make this our prayer for ourselves, our intention. This is what William Temple says Worship is the submission of all of our nature to God, it is the quickening of the conscience by His holiness the nourishment of mind with His truth, the purifying of imagination by His beauty, the opening of the heart to His love, the surrender of will to His purpose, and all this gathered up in adoration. As usual, we're starting today's service with a time of singing praises to God. And though this is only really a fraction of what can be defined as our worship, can I encourage you to fix your eyes on Him, to submit ourselves to Him, to express our love for Him in song, and to adore Him for all that He has done and for all that He is. Can I invite you to stand as we sing? Wow. 
greatness of mine. There is nothing. There is nothing that could ever separate us. There is nothing that could ever separate us from your love. No life, no death. Of this I am convinced that you, my God, are greatest. And there is nothing. Oh, there is nothing that could ever separate us. There is nothing that could ever separate us from your love. No life, no death. All this I am convinced that you, my God, are greatest sin. And no words could say song convey all you are the greatness of our God I spent my life to know and I'm far from close to all you are the greatness of our God and no sky contains no doubt restraints all you
Let's lift our voice, church. Holy, holy. you to take a seat as we move to communion. We come now to celebrate the Lord's Supper as a church family to come 
and what um, some and what Pastor Ben has called the Feast of Grace. There is a great passage in the book of Colossians that Paul wrote in chapter 1, verse 15 to 23. And in that great passage, what Paul is doing, that he is talking and declaring the supremacy of Christ over all things in creation. And particularly, he is supreme in salvation of those who trust in Jesus. Let me read the last three verses of that passage. Colossians chapter 1, 21 to 23. This is what Paul says. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, establish and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, that's what we are doing. We are holding on to the promises of the gospel message. And it's important that we do this together on a regular basis. And as Subi Church, we do it every single week because what we want to do is that we want to conform our minds, our hearts, our heads, our hands to this great message of the grace of Jesus Christ. See, the world seeks to mold us into its image. The world has overwhelming influence through many different channels and platforms. But every single week, as disciples of Jesus, as a family in Christ, we come and we cast our mind once again to Calvary, once again to the gospel message. And Paul here encourages us to stand firm in the gospel as a community of believers together. We are not doing this by ourselves, but doing it as a family, as a church, and one tangible way and one practical way that we hold on to the gospel is through celebrating the Lord's Supper together. It is a tangible and visible display of the goodness of the death and resurrection of Jesus. We were once alienated from God, enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. But God through Christ reconciled us back to Himself through Christ's physical body through death. And now we stand before God holy and without blemish, free from accusation. And thus, every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we receive God's grace to us. We receive His grace because we are reminded of the body of Christ given to us and the blood of Christ shed for us. We are nourished. We, our faith is nourished. We stand firm in the gospel because we are reminded of Jesus Christ. So together as God's people this evening, as we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper, what we're doing, we're declaring to ourselves once again and declaring to one another the goodness of God, the love of God in and through Christ who loved us and gave Himself for us. And for those of us who are parents here, we have children with us and sometimes we wonder, should I let my child take the Lord's Supper? Or if this is something that you have talked and discuss with your children and they understand the gospel message and what this means, they are invited to come to receive the communion elements and to celebrate communion together. But if you haven't done that, that's okay. Take this opportunity this coming week. Just chat with your children about what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to come and take communion together as a family in God. Let me pray. Father, we come before you. 
we thank you that as your people, we have this practice every single week where we can receive your grace. We receive your grace because we are once again reminded, brought back to Calvary through what Christ suffered for us and what Christ has accomplished for us in and through the cross. And we also cling on to that great hope of the resurrection that He did not stay in the tomb but yet You resurrected Him. And now we stand in that great gospel message, that great gospel hope. And this evening as we come, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, we pray, Father, that You once again give us Your grace. Once again, remind us that we call You our Heavenly Father, that we are Your children, that we are reconciled to You, that we are part of Your family. So, Father, we ask and pray that You continue to do this for us. Bless us and give us grace this evening. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you're here this evening, you're not a Christian, we just once again ask you you remain seated. Please don't feel pressured to take. And for those of us who are Christians who call Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, this is our opportunity to come and celebrate the Lord's Supper, to come and remember our Lord, our Savior, through His death and through His resurrection. Let me invite the first few rows to stand up to make your way to the front to receive the communion elements. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, while He was eating with His disciples, He took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. Let's eat together. Then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, This, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's drink together. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the body and blood of Christ. We thank you that now we stand before you as your child, reconciled. What an amazing grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I invite you to stand as we sing our next song? darkness we were waiting without hope without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the lore and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt Praise forever to the King of kings. 
reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost to redeem the whole creation you did not despise the cross for even in your suffering you saw to the other side knowing this was our salvation Jesus for our sake you died praise the Father praise the Son praise the Spirit three in one God of glory majesty forever to the King of Kings. In the morning that you rose, all of heaven held its breath, till that stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who come to the Father are restored. And the church was Christ was born, then the Spirit led the flame. Now this gospel truth of all, it shall not kneel, it shall not faint. By His blood and in His name, Oh, it is freedom I am free For the love of Jesus Christ Who has resurrected me Praise the Father Praise the Son So praise the God, we praise you, we lift you high because of what you have done for us, because of all that you are, because we are your children, saved by your name, rescued by your hand. Thank you, O oh Lord. We worship you and we adore you. In the name of God, in Jesus we pray. Amen. Hello. Good evening. Are we ready to do Scripture at Suvi? Um, so if you're new here, Scripture at Subi is a time where we memorize uh, Bible Scripture as a church family uh, so we can have the habit of having God's Word in our mind and in our hearts. So you'll find little cards like this on your chairs and you can refer to this card or if you can, you can memorize it. Um, so let's say this together. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Awesome job. Well, welcome to Subi Church once again. My name is Kanaina, and I'm a staff member here. And it's always great to be back here together again. If you're visiting us, a very warm welcome. Um, and for those watching the service online, uh, thanks for joining us. If you're a primary school kid here today, you're now dismissed to go to your Subi classes.
And for those of us who might not know what Subi Kids is, it's a fun time where kids from infants all the way up to year six get a closer look uh, at God's word in an age-appropriate manner. So if you're interested in joining that today, the Subi Kids classrooms are just to the left of the auditorium outside. At Subi Church, we have connect cards that look like this, and you can find physical copies on your seats, or you can also access the online version via the QR code on the back of the chairs. And everyone is welcome to fill one in. Uh, for members, we strongly encourage it. This is to let us know that you're well and that you've been joining us at church. We'd also love to know how you're getting on. Um, and for visitors, you can also use these connect cards. Uh, you can let us know that you're here. You can share prayer requests, inquire about church memberships or any of our ministries. You can also get connected into a small group. Um, we've now come to a time of offering. And if you'd like to do this, offerings can be done online. We do encourage that you set up a regular payment through your bank uh, to make things more convenient. And if you head to the back of the auditorium, you'll, you'll also find more details on how to do that um, on this green sheet of paper here. If you prefer to do a direct giving, there are white envelopes also at the back of the auditorium and also an offering box. So let's pray for our giving. Father in heaven, we thank you for the abundance and the provisions you've blessed us with in our lives. We acknowledge that you are the giver of all that we have. Please bless our giving as they're used to further your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. So moving on to some upcoming events we have going on in the life of the church. As you know, after 10 years of serving Subi Church, Pastor Ben will be stepping down from his role as senior pastor at the end of November this year. So to thank him for his faithful service, we're compiling a book of messages and photos from the congregation as a gift. And everyone is invited to send in your messages and any, um, any messages of encouragement, thanks, or well wishes. Uh, your submissions will need to be in by the end of this month. So please email through your messages, um, and if you have any photos, you can email that through, that through as well um, by the 31st of August. But please make sure to include your full name on everything. Um, if you're subscribed to our mailing list, more details can be found in this month's monthly news, which you would have already received. Next up, we have our Young Adults Lunch, and this is happening tomorrow after the 10.45 service. And all young adults are welcome, but there is a change in plan. We'll be meeting at the Theatre Gardens just down the road, or if it rains, it'll be in the church cafe. Um, it's BYO Food and Drinks. This coming Wednesday, we have the Hour of Prayer, and just like in the name, it's one hour long, and it goes from 7 to 8 p.m. in the church cafe. You're welcome to join us as we come together to pray for our community and our world. You can also join us online. If you're not on our mailing list, uh, you can let us know on your Connect cards, and please give us your email address as well so we can send you the Zoom details. Um, and lastly, in two weeks' time, we'll be having a time for baptisms, so that will be on the 27th and 28th of August. Fun fact, did you know that Jesus himself is baptized? Um, and we are actually commanded to do the same. So if you'd like to be baptized, or if you'd like to know more about baptisms, please let us know on your Connect cards. And that's all the announcements for today. We'll now have our Bible reader to come up. Good evening, Stubby Church. 
Our Bible reading for this weekend is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are invited, but few are chosen. Thank you, Rose. Good evening, everyone. It's great to see you. And those watching online, it's great to have you with us. Going to a wedding has to be among the most joyful occasions that we can experience. People who love each other to bits, invite those closest to them to share that love with them. Everyone gets dressed up and looks like a million dollars. Everything is laid on. The drinks are free. Nothing beats a wedding for having a good time. When my wife Myra and I got married, it couldn't have been a more joyful occasion. Here's a picture of us being married. Yes, I know, I punch above my weight. Shh, she hasn't worked that out yet. I thought I'd just show you another picture of her beautiful bride. You might have to get rid of that. I won't be able to concentrate for the rest of the talk. But my, uh, we got married in Sydney. I'm from Perth. Uh, and so uh, my friends took a few days off. They came over. We hung out. We traveled around. We went surfing. My family flew in from all over the world. Uh, we got married at Manly Aquarium. Uh, and... The champagne was flowing, the dance floor was uh, packed, uh, the music was pumping. I think we have another photo. All right. It was a beautiful place. It was full of fun and feasting and friends and family. It couldn't have been a more joyful occasion. That's just the kind of scene that Jesus is presenting when he describes what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like a wedding banquet involving the best of times. 
And Jesus invites you and I to that heavenly wedding banquet. But as we've just heard read, not everyone accepts the invitation. Why? And if you, if you heard uh, rightly, you'll notice that some people actually get thrown out of the wedding banquet. Who? Who gets thrown out? Why? It couldn't be anyone of us, could it? It couldn't be anyone we know. Well, we're going to have a look at that parable this evening. Before we get into the text, I'm going to lead us into prayer. Uh, we're going to pray for our church family. I'm going to pray for those who are unwell. We're going to pray for those who have uh, financial difficulties right now. We're going to pray for the future of the church. So please join me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that you love us and you love this church and you've loved this church since its uh, inception 124 years ago, being on this corner. And we pray, Lord, for the future of the church. We do pray, Lord, that you would uh, pass the baton on from Pastor Ben to a man that's going to care for this church, is going to, going to love this church, is going to be faithful to this church. And so we just commit that whole process to you. Father, I just want to pray for our church family. There are those amongst us who are very unwell. Those amongst us who have cancer. Those amongst us who have COVID. Those amongst us who have serious medical conditions. I just want to pray for them right now. That they would know your love in a way that they haven't experienced before. They, know, they would know that you are with them. That they are secure in your hand. We pray for healing, Lord. Because we know that you can do all things. We pray that your will would be done and that we would accept your will, accept your hand in our lives. Those, Lord, who are going through financial strain, we ask, Lord, that they would trust in you, that we ask, Lord, that they would turn to you. We ask, Lord, that you would care for them. We do pray for the Ukraine efforts to look after refugees. We pray for our connection with the International Church in Romania and Nicole and the team there that are caring for Ukrainian refugees. And we ask, Lord, that that would continue to be funded, that your love would be expressed and shown to those refugees that they might come to know you through these relief efforts. And Father, we commit this evening to you. We ask, Lord, that the meditation of all our hearts that my words would be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're having a look at Matthew chapter 22. So if you have that in front of you, that would be really helpful. There also will be some text behind me on the screen. Matthew 22, Jesus spoke to them again in parables. A parable is an earthly story which illustrates a heavenly reality. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. So the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding. But bigger than any wedding that you and I are used to, it's the wedding that a king puts on for his son. It's a royal wedding. It's a, a, a wedding that has no budget. Money is no limit. It, it is... A wedding on the grandest of scales. You know when ha uh, Prince Harry married La uh, Meghan Markle. I was going to say Lady Meghan Markle, but they refused to give her a title. 
Look at the banquet. It's just, you know, there is no limit to the, the expense that was laid on. And everyone wanted an invite to this wedding. Did anyone get an invite here? No, only the celebrities got invited, right? Elton John, David Beckham, Oprah. While everyone didn't get an invite, the whole world stopped and watched it on TV. Well, come to think of it, I didn't. I watched the football. But most people, right, watched it on TV. Because to get invited to a royal wedding is a, is a big deal. If I had got an invite, I would have gone. I did actually watch the pastor preach. Do you remember that pastor that preached? It was fantastic. It was a miracle, right? Just like Jesus turned water into wine, he turned a five-minute sermon into a 15-minute sermon. He was, only allowed, he was only allowed five minutes, he turned it into a 15-minute sermon. But to be invited to a royal wedding is a big deal. And if I'd been invited, I would have gone. But before our modern times, when kings and queens had real power and you had to pledge your allegiance to your monarch in those times an invitation like this was more than just an invitation oh please think about coming it was a summons it was a commandment come and honor the king and honor my son and Jesus is saying that the king represents God who invites you and I to a banquet. A banquet in heaven that he has prepared. A heavenly banquet on the grandest of scales. There is no budget, right? Money is no limit. It will leave Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's banquet for dead. It is the biggest party that will ever be thrown. Right? That has ever been thrown. But more than invite us, God he commands us to come. He summons us to come because the purpose of the wedding banquet is for his son, Jesus Christ, to be honoured. Everything about the wedding banquet is for his son to be honoured and glorified. That the father may honour the son, that he may lead you and I in honouring the son, that we all may give glory to the son of God for all eternity. That's the purpose of the wedding banquet. Uh, at the 2012 Olympics, if you can think back that far, who can tell me where that was held? London, well done. And at the Olympics, the greatest Olympian of all time who's won the most gold medals is Michael Phelps, well done. He was beaten by a young South African man by Chad Laclosse. He was beaten by a nail, right? 0.05 of a second, a nail's width. He can't believe it. But it was his father, Chad, uh, sorry, his father, Bert, who stole the show. We got a picture of him, I think. No picture? We, got a, uh, we had a picture of him who stole the show in a post-race interview because he could not contain his love for his son after he won the race. We do have a, a video that will show you him not being able to contain his emotion for his son. Father Bert, my word, what a performance! Unbelievable, unbelievable, unbelievable. I've never been so happy in my life. And it's something undescribable, undescribable. I mean, to what happened tonight is like I died with to heaven, and if whatever happens in my life down, it's plain sailing, it's plain sailing. 
And there is your boy down there. I think he could hardly believe it. Not just that he's won the gold medal, but that he's beaten Michael Phelps. Wow, this is a, this is unbelievable. Look at it. And he's beautiful. Look at this. What a beautiful boy. Look at him. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Come on, Tell us a bit about Chad and when he committed his life to swimming and how he's got this good. He's unbelievable. He committed, he's committed like you cannot believe. He's the most down-to-earth, beautiful boy you ever meet in your life. He, 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 will not, you know, he, he, he likes all the... Look at him. He, look at him. He's crying like me. I love you. Oh, my God. Every time I see myself, I look at me. <laughs> Listen, we're... Oh, yes. We want to, no, 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 you're fine. And 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 his mum is here as well. How many more family members? How many friends have you got? My, my, my other son is here, the small one. So that was described as the media moment of the games, because you've got Bert. He's like a champagne bottle. He's just bursting forth. He can't contain his love for his son. Wow! Look at him. He's beautiful. What a beautiful boy. He's unbelievable, right? Now, this is a great snapshot of God's love for his son. Because before God was ever a creator, before he created the universe, he was a father. And he's been a father for all eternity, loving his son. And God created the universe in order to share the love that he has for his son with you and with me. That we might experience this love. You and I and everything and everyone exist because God loves his son and he wants others to love him and honor him. God has created us so that we will say with him, look at the son. He's beautiful. He's unbelievable. And it's God the Father's desire that at the wedding banquet in heaven, all of the celebrations and all of the focus will be centered on Jesus, his son, that Jesus Christ would have preeminence, that he would have the primacy in each of our hearts. So verse 3, he sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, and they came, is, not, is what it doesn't say. No, they refused to come. Then there has to be some sort of mistake. The king has invited people to the wedding of his son, and yet some refuse to come. Now, this would have been an absolute insult to the king. It would have been tantamount to treason. The king has asked for something, and people have said no. Now, he had every right to punish his subjects then and there, didn't he? He's the king. But what does he do? No, instead, he offers his invitation again. This king is patient, this king is kind, this king is generous. Verse 4, Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Now, no doubt there would have been vegetables there as well uh, for the vegetarians and vegans. The, the fatted calf, it's sim symbolizing that the very best food had been prepared because no meat was more expensive than the fatted calf, uh, which was set aside for a special occasion. Uh, these select animals were fed extra food, given special food. They were prevented from roaming around freely so that they would put on weight like this, right? They'd put on weight 
they would be fattened up and they would just taste spectacular. How nice would that cow taste? Can you just imagine? And so everything has been done to ensure that the guests would have a magnificent banquet. Surely this would entice them to come. If you saw a cow like that ready to be slaughtered, you think, I want to go to that party. But, verse 5, they paid no attention. And they went off, one to his field and another to his business. Those invited are too, too concerned with their own affairs to respond to the king's invitation. One guest goes off to his field. Jesus doesn't tell us what took him there, but surely it could have waited. Same with the second guest, uh, the second person who's invited. His business matters take over, take priority over honouring the king. And Jesus is citing typical shallow excuses that people make to bring out the point that the guest had no real reason for not coming, for staying away from the banquet. They simply did not care about the king. They, did not, had no, they had no respect for the king and they had no fear of the king. Verse 6, the rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. So the hostility of the invited guests escalates into a dramatic act of treason and rebellion and revolution. And this brings an end to the patience of the patient king and he executes justice on those who act in this way. And like the king, God gave out an invitation to his chosen people to come to his wedding, uh, heavenly banquet. God invited his chosen people, Israel, to enter into a special relationship with him. He held out his arms to Israel. He bid them come generation after generation, but they refused to come, didn't they? Because their hearts were hard, they were disobedient, they were obstinate. They were even turned on God's prophets that were sent to them and they murdered them. So God brought to justice those who acted that way. There comes an end to the patience of even the most patient of gods. Of God, the patience of God. And as a consequence, their city of Jerusalem was destroyed, wasn't it, in 586 BC by the Babylonians. And at the very moment that Jesus is speaking, he's speaking to the Jewish leaders and as he's speaking, the Jewish leaders have already concocted a plan to have Jesus executed, to have him arrested and got rid of. And for their continued rebellion, remember, Jerusalem is destroyed again in 70 AD. Then he says to his servants, verse 8, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come, so go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. The king was not going to cancel the wedding banquet of his son just because some guests refused to come. No, he's determined for his son to be honoured. Remember, that's why he's holding it, for his son to be honoured, to have the place of preeminence, his purpose is, have, is to have the sun surrounded by multitudes and 
for them to pay homage to him. And so the king extends his invitation to those on the streets, to the highways, to the byways, where foreigners from all over the world would travel, those who didn't belong to the, to the nation of Israel. Uh, such people would not, expect them, would not expect to find themselves as, as guests at the royal banquet. But the king's son is getting married, and he, the king wants the seats filled in order to honor the son. In the same way, God the Father is not going to cancel the heavenly banquet just because his chosen people refuse to come. No, God is determined for his son Jesus to be glorified, to be honored, to have the place of preeminence for the multitudes to surround him and to pay homage to him. For God cannot stand for his son to be dishonored. And so remember, God, he widens his list of guests he sends an invitation to all the peoples of the world, to the moral, to the immoral, to the religious, to the irreligious, to the elites, to the down and outs. And this invitation to come to honor his son has come down through the centuries and it's been extended to you and it's been extended to me. Have you accepted the king's invitation to honor the son? Verse 11 we read, The king came in to see the guest. The king comes to see who is here to honor my son. I want to see who is here to honor my son. The king wants to see the palace filled to overflowing with those who love his son and want to be devoted to his son. But he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. It seems to have been the custom in that time for the host of the wedding to provide suitable wedding garments for his guests so that they would honour the occasion. If you were out on the highways and the byways, you would not have had your wedding garments with you. The king provides suitable wedding, wedding garments for his guests so that they would honour the occasion. They would honour the king. They would honour the son. But one guest refuses to wear the wedding garments that have been provided for him. Instead, he just turns up in his own duds. And the man's attire insults the king. It dishonors the king. It dishonors the son. It dishonors the glorious occasion. In the very presence of the king and in the king's guests, this man dares to parade his contempt and his dishonor what he's saying is I, I accept the invitation from the king but i will come my way i'm not going to come his way i'll enjoy the king's hospitality but i'm not going to give him my honor and i'm not going to give his son my honor well how did that go down the loving patient king now speaks words of condemnation and wrath verse 13 then the king told the attendants Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The king says to the man, what you have done is unacceptable. For you to come into my palace, for you to come into my wedding banquet, for you to come into my presence and in the presence of my son, just as you are, that is unacceptable. 
I have provided wedding garments for you that, that would have made you acceptable at my wedding feast, but to come just as you are is unacceptable. This man was found out. He was exposed. He was speechless. He, he could, there was no excuse that he could come up with. And so the man is punished in a manner fitting for bringing shame and dishonor to the king. Now, what is this wedding garment that was so important for him to be wearing? That without wearing it resulted in such a punishment? What is this wedding garment? Well, the 19th century pastor Charles Spurgeon, if you haven't read any of Charles Spurgeon or heard his sermons, I recommend that you do. He said this, Many a time... The question has been asked, what was the wedding garment? And so many answers have been given that I conclude that if our Saviour had intended any one specific thing, he would have expressed himself more plainly. It seems to me that our Lord intended much more than any one thing. The wedding garment represents anything which is indispensable to a Christian. Hence, it may be said to be Christ's righteousness imputed to us. But we might with equal truth say that the wedding dress is a holy character, the righteousness which the Holy Spirit works in us and which is equally necessary as a proof of grace. The wedding garment is simply mentioned here as being a test of loyalty to those who came to the marriage feast. So those who want to come to God's heavenly banquet, but think they can come any way they want, God says to them, that is unacceptable. For you to come to my heavenly banquet, for you to come into my presence, for you to come into the presence of my Son, just as you are, that is unacceptable. You have no place here. You must put on the righteousness that I have provided for you. I've done that. It cost me everything. It, it required that my Son die on the cross to purchase that righteousness that you need. This righteousness will cover your dirt. It will cover your depravity. But if you put it on, you will be accepted at my feast. But you may not come just as you are because that dishonors me and it dishonors my son. And if you accept my invitation, God says, but you refuse to live a life of obedience, well, that dishonors me and it dishonors my son. And God will say to all such people at the final judgment, and these words are terrible words, throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The place that is as far away from the darkness as there could ever possibly be. The darkest corner of hell where there is no light, where there will be darkness for all eternity. There will be the greatest weeping there that there has ever been. Been. Every other weeping will be nothing compared to this weeping. There will be gnashing of teeth. That's, there's inconsolable grief and anguish and remorse and pain and misery that is unrelenting as people come to the realization of what they have lost and that there is no going back and there is no second chance. Horrific words to hear. Now someone might ask, and I've asked this, doesn't the punishment exceed the crime? How could a loving God send people to hell? The answer? 
There is no greater crime in heaven or on earth than dishonoring God's Son. For many are invited, but few are chosen. I ask you here today, have you accepted God's invitation to come to his heavenly banquet? Have you clothed yourself in the righteousness that God has provided for you in Christ? If not, I hope you recognize that you are in a very dangerous place. If you've accepted the invitation, but you are still living a life of disobedience, dishonoring God, then I hope you recognize that you're in a very dangerous place. But today, God invites you once again to his heavenly banquet. It's not too late to accept it. Put on Christ. Put on his righteousness. Turn from your sins and ask God for forgiveness. And you'll be granted eternity in his heavenly banquet. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray in a few moments, if that's where you are right now. But for those of us who are already Christian. I want you to consider this. Christ is not only our wedding garment. He is the wedding feast. Christ is not only the wedding garment that we need. He is the wedding banquet that we will feast on for all eternity. He is our heavenly feast because all of heaven's goodness is found in Christ. Amen? We will feast when we see him face to face because the one who dwells in unapproachable light will be unapproachable no more. The dimmer switch will no longer have to be turned down. It can be turned up. It will be turned up to its maximum and we will behold the sun in his brilliant majesty and we will feast we will stand in the very presence of the holy and glorious Son, in His very presence. And we'll be captivated by His infinite compassion and forgiveness and faithfulness and generosity and grace and gentleness and faithfulness and forgiveness and kindness and love and mercy and purity. And we'll be transfixed by the beauty of his perfections. And each day will be better than the last. And there will never be an end to it. And we together will stand and we will look at the sun and we will say, he is unbelievable. He's beautiful. What a beautiful sun. And we will feast on the beauty of the gospel. That's what we're going to be spending our eternity doing. Is going to be telling each other the gospel. We're going to say, the Son, He's unbelievable. He left His heavenly th throne, right? He, he, he left His crown behind to be born in a cradle. He went to the cross so that He could purchase our wedding garment and then He was raised as King again. And we'll be saying, this Son is unbelievable. He's beautiful that He did that for us. We'll be marveling at the gospel. We'll be retelling each other the gospel for all eternity. But we don't have to wait until then. We can feast on Christ in some measure now, can't we? Now, it is by faith and not by sight, but that doesn't mean it's not real. It's very real. It's just that we can't see it. We, are, we can feast on Christ. 
We, we, we're to behold Christ in the only place that you can find him. Where can you find him? This is the only place you can find him. This is where you feast on him. And we allow him to capture our imagination, to possess our passions. Do you find your mind tends to be preoccupied with material things? Do you find that? Houses, mortgages, rents, uh, interest rates, cars, repayments, marketplace. It's the air we breathe. But feasting on Christ is a treasure that you cannot buy. It's the most satisfying feast of all. So feast on Christ. This week, next week. And let us say together, look at the sun. He's beautiful. He's unbelievable. What a beautiful sun. Let's pray. I'll give you a moment just to reflect on that passage. If you are here tonight and you haven't yet accepted the invitation to come to God's heavenly banquet, you've refused the invitation or you, you just haven't accepted it yet. God has his arms wide open and he invites you to come. You come by saying, sorry, thank you, please. If you'd like to do that, you can just follow along with me. Sorry, God, for dishonoring you and dishonoring Jesus Christ thank you that you died for me and you've made it possible that I can come into your heavenly banquet please I want to live for you as my king from this day on if you've prayed that prayer and you've been welcomed into God's heavenly banquet and the angels are rejoicing and they're giving each other high fives. And I, I pray that you might let us know on your connect card. You might come and whisper in my ear but that you've prayed that prayer. For those of us who are already Christian, you know the material things are the air we breathe. And they'll be gone and they will crumble. But the beauty of Christ will remain. And he is our feast. He is both our wedding garment and the wedding feast. And if you're going through a drier time and you, you, you're not feasting on Christ, you're not experiencing that from Christ, I want to pray. You're not experiencing that in Christ right now. I want to pray for you. Father, I just pray for those of us who are going through a dry time, those of us who are not feeling close to you, those of us who are not feasting on you. I just pray, Lord, that as we search Christ in the only place that we can, I just pray for each person as they do that, Lord, that you would reveal your Son to them, that they would delight in him, that they would feast on him, that through life's highs and lows, Christ and all that he is would have preeminence in their lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name.
and I invite you to stand as we sing our final song. the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore at His table. Oh, I will feast at the table to the 
table of the Lord. Yes, I'm invited to the table of the Lord. And he says, come just as you are to his table. Look at the sun. He is unbelievable. He's beautiful. Behold the sun. If you'd like any prayer, then uh, Pastor Chin's up down the front. I'll be down the front as well. We'd love to pray with you. Let me, let me send you off with a blessing. Father, just bless these dear people. Thank you that we get to feast on Christ, even in the here and now. And I pray that would be each of our experience this week in Jesus' name. Amen.